Welcome to Blitzcats, an NFL Draft podcast brought to you by NFLDraftBlitz.com. And now, your hosts, Alex Kavtov and Ed Hunt. Welcome to another episode of Blitzcast, and we're going to do a recap show of the 2021 NFL Draft. Obviously, all the reactions, all the picks, the best, the worst, the, the reaches the best value picks in each round. And let's start with our mock draft uh, that we did last week. We got five picks right, Ed, as I bring you in. We got Trevor Lawrence to the Jaguars, Zach Wilson to the Jets. Obviously, that was a done deal leading up to the draft. Uh, Atlanta Falcons taking Kyle Pitts. We got that right at number four at 21. The Indianapolis Colts took Quiddy Pay, mm-hmm. and you got the Steelers pick, right, mm-hmm. at 24 with running back Najee Harris. Five picks we got right. We, we got to do better next time. I, I thought we did pretty good. I mean, all things considered. I think what really threw the board off is that the Bengals didn't take Penny Sewell. They did not, and let's talk about that. Obviously, we, we beat that to death, how the Bengals should take an offensive tackle, how they should protect Joe Burrow. Uh, Panay Sewell seemed like the perfect fit at left tackle. I believe the Lions got a steal there at seven. They decided to go with with our boy, Jamar Chase. Yeah, I, I, I don't really like the pick. I don't really like the position. I don't really, I just, uh, that, that pick totally surprised me. I mean, it was like when I saw the pick, I was like, you know, I was writing down my analysis and I was like, I almost like put Penny Sewell's name down because it just fe- seemed like a foregone conclusion that Penny Sewell was going to be the pick there. And yeah, I don't, I don't really understand why they went with Jamar Chase. I mean, I, I understand you want to get weapons for Burrow, but you know, is this the right guy to take? I mean, Devontae Smith was still on the board. There were, there were other guys. I mean, I think even Jalen Waddle was still on the board. If that was your guy, why was this the pick? Well, I guess they were looking for an outside receiver. They've got a slot receiver in Tyler Boyd. They got T. Higgins, the bigger receiver uh, that can score touchdowns in the red zone. They needed an outside receiver, and obviously they saw Jamar Chase as as a perfect fit for them because Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle are more slot receivers, and that's the role that they're going to play with their respective teams. And obviously Devontae Smith went... uh, to the Philadelphia Eagles when they made the trade with the Dallas Cowboys at number 10. And the Miami Dolphins took Jalen Waddell at six to reunite with Tua, be that deep threat in that offense, something that they they needed badly. You know, the 49ers took Trey Lance. Uh, That was the guy that I campaigned for. But everything that we heard leading up to the draft, Mac Jones was going to be the pick. That's what every, almost every analyst made us believe. Obviously, the 49ers went with somebody that gives them more upside in the future, but also is a bigger risk overall because I'm sure Lance is going to sit in 2021 as Jimmy G is still going to be the starting quarterback, in my opinion. Lance is going to learn the ropes, kind of the, the same situation that the Kansas City Chiefs did with, with Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes. I'm sure you didn't like the pick. It's not that I don't like the pick. I just think it's a very much of a boomer bust pick, Alex. That's that's my problem with it. Well, the third best quarterback on my board behind Lawrence and Wilson, I just think Lance has, has everything working for him. And when you combine 
the things that he brings off the field. You you want to believe in this feel good story that a young guy like this who only turned 21 today, by the way. We're taping the show May 8th, and this is Trey Lance's birthday, by the way. He turned 21. So happy birthday to Trey Lance, and <laughs> congratulations on the, on the San Francisco 49ers selection at number three. I just think when you buy into this whole persona and, and you combine his physical tools, you just you start to believe that he gives you more upside, and he's also a good fit in that offense. The Chicago Bears were also desperate for a quarterback. It didn't work for them a couple of years ago when they drafted Mitchell Trubisky and traded up for him with the 49ers, by the way. Uh, Obviously, he was sent packing. Now he's with the Buffalo Bills as a backup. You know, Andy Dalton going in, I guess a lot of people started buying this fact that he was going to be the starting quarterback, but we do know that Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, their job is on the line they made the bold move again to trade up and and get Justin Fields. I like what the Bears did. You know, they they kept quiet. I mean, it wasn't like they uh, you know, were showing their hand, you know, telling everyone that we're going to go get Justin Fields. They kind of waited, saw him drop and then they pounced. So, good job by the Bears. They got their quarterback. They did give up a lot of picks for him though. Well, so you look at the history of the Chicago Bears. They've never had a running quarterback. Justin Fields is a true dual-threat quarterback, something that the Bears have never had. So it's just going to be interesting how they adjust their offense to his his strengths. But really good fit. Again, the, the Bears had to do this. They had to show their fan base that, hey, we're, we're trying to get better and we're still trying to get that quarterback of the future. New England Patriots didn't have to trade up. Many people were projecting them to, to move up to get one of those quarterbacks. Mac Jones didn't go at three. He falls to Bill Belichick at number 15. Yeah, and I mean, this is just Bill being Bill. I mean, you know, he, he uh, you know, scoffed at uh, Mac Jones at his pro day, at Alabama pro day, made it seem like he didn't like him. And then I just had a feeling that this was, this was going to be the match, and uh, this ended up being the match. Mac Jones fits their offense perfectly. He's going to, you know, run that high-tempo offense. He's going to be accurate. Um, you know, he's going to be Brady 2.0. He's very smart. He's going to execute, you know, Belichick and Josh McDaniels' plan. So they got their guy. And, uh, you know, when Josh McDaniels takes over, I mean, he's going to have a few years with his guy. Obviously, five quarterbacks went in the top 15 picks. I wish them all the best. And th- this seems like a really talented group. We'll see how they they work out with their respective teams. What were a couple of your favorite picks in round one? Obviously, we talked about some guys already. Which teams did the best in round one? I really like what the Jets did. Um, I think getting Zach Wilson, I mean, obviously he was he was there for them. But still, I mean, the fact that they got Zach Wilson, I like the pick. And then, and then they got Elijah Vera Tucker. So, you know, they got themselves on the left side. And I think they got a guy who, you know, they can play on the right side or they can kick him inside to guard. Um, you know, he's a good player. So I, th- I think they got good value there. Gosh, you know, the Baltimore Ravens are one of those teams that just always seems to draft smart. 
And I really like that they got Rashad Bateman towards the end of the first round. I think he's a perfect fit for their team. They needed a guy on the outside to complement Hollywood Brown, you know, on the inside. So I really like the Rashad Bateman pick. I think I think Bill Belichick played really good chess with Mac Jones. I mean, we already talked about it, but I mean, the fact that he got the perfect quarterback for his system, you know, he didn't have the first, you know, he wasn't picking in the top five. Um, you know, Bill doesn't really pick in the po- top five. He He got his guy without picking in the top five. I like what the Detroit Lions did. They also stood pat at number seven, and the best offensive lineman just fell to them uh, in Panay Sewell. And he's not going to play left tackle. Obviously, they've got a left tackle in Taylor Decker, who's been doing it for a while now. Uh, Sewell is going to go and be a right tackle for them. They just they made their offensive line better for Jared Goff, and they needed to do this. I mean, he's he's a pocket quarterback, and you need to protect him. And, you know, a lot of people were connecting them with the wide receiver, maybe to get explosive. Well, they didn't get a wide receiver until day three, and, and they got the best offensive lineman there. Yeah, it was, it was a really smart pick. How about reaches in, in round one? What were some of those picks that left you uh, scratching your head? Gosh, I didn't understand the Raiders taking uh, Alex Leatherwood. I know Mike Mayock went on and you know defended the pick, and he said other GMs complimented him. But I really, I, I think there were a lot of other offensive linemen he could have gone there. Um, another one was, uh, you know, at thirteen, the Chargers going with Rashawn Slater. I don't, I don't think he has the tape to be a number thirteen pick. Yeah, many people had him in the top ten actually, and there were a few people that were pushing him ahead of Panay Sewell. Um, because they liked uh, his tape against uh, Chase Young back in 2019. So it seems like the Chargers are b- believe that he's going to be their left tackle of the future. I guess. I mean, I just I don't understand. I mean, even you and I had him as a guard. So, I, I mean, I don't understand the move from that standpoint, too. Well, I guess we'll see. We'll see. The most important thing is they believe that he's going to be a left tackle, and I think that's where they're going to play him to to protect Justin Herbert. I'm curious, what would Mike Mayock say about himself if he was on TV grading himself as an analyst? What would he say about Mike Mayock as the GM? If Mike Mayock was, was on TV and he saw some of the picks that he has made through the years. And we're going on three drafts already. And I just want to remind our folks, Cleland Farrell at number four instead of trading down. Even if you like him, I don't think Farrell was going to go that high if the Raiders didn't take him. And then he went last year with Henry Ruggs over CeeDee Lamb or Jerry Judy believing that Ruggs was more of an outside receiver. And you and I have talked about this. Then he took Damon Arnett. And Arnett is a good player, but more of a day two guy, not a first round pick. And now this year he takes Alex Leatherwood, who is a day two pick. And even if you believe that he's a tackle and not a guard because of his size, his athleticism, that you could play right tackle for them and you can plug him in uh, because Trent Brown has moved on and and you have that side open right now. I'm just always curious. I think Mike Mayock, the analyst, would bash Mike Mayock, the GM. I, I think you're right. I mean, I just, you know, to be honest with you, we've been doing this last few years since Mike Mayock's taken over. And, you know, just every year, I just, there's always one first round pick that just makes absolutely no sense to me. <laughs> and it seems like it's the Raiders every year. Yeah. It's the Raiders making that pick. It really is. I, I just think Mike Mayock is going to be joining us pretty soon, and he's going to be an analyst. It just It's not working right now. He's, he's a smart guy, but it seems like 
he has no idea how to construct the roster. I, I don't see the Raiders making the playoffs next year. If they do, he'll keep his job. But right now, it's just his prospects of staying as the GM of the Raiders look really, really foggy and murky at this point. How about day two? Uh, this is where teams make their money just in general. Uh, smart teams find players, really good players on day two. Guys that, that don't have those first round expectations, have a chip on their shoulder, and they just they come in and outplay their first round counterparts. Who do you think did well there as far as round two is concerned? What were your favorite picks as, as we look down in round two? Well, I think the Chiefs taking Creed Humphrey, I think they took him at 62. I thought that was a real solid pick. I mean, I think really the reason why he dropped was only because, you know, he's a center. and uh, But, you know, everything else checks out with Creed Humphrey, so I really like that pick. The fact that Wyatt Davis lasted till the third round um, and the Vikings took him, I mean, that was another great pick. It's interesting that Creed Humphrey was the third center taken in the entire draft, and the two guys that went ahead of him were Landon Dickerson. Uh, he went to the Philadelphia Eagles at 37. And then we had Josh Myers, who went to the Green Bay Packers, the pick before Creed Humphrey. Um, we saw a couple of other guys drop that I was high on. And I'm just you know going to go through the list out here. Christian Barmore was one that, that dropped to the second round. And again, the New England Patriots scooped him up kind of a versatile guy and maybe Bill Belichick can give him a little kick in the butt a little bit and get his motor running so he's playing at a high level the Raiders they made a nice pick with Trev Trayvon Merrig they're getting the safety out of TCU the best safety on the board and he wasn't the first safety taken by the way Javon Holland went before him and Richie Grant went so uh, Merrig was the third safety off the board, but I thought the Raiders did really well. Asante Samuel Jr. going to the Chargers. It doesn't matter where you play him, outside or in the slot. I mean, this guy's a playmaker. Aziz Ajulari, 10th prospect overall, dropped to number 50 because of some injury concerns. Joke, uh, Jeremiah Wusu karamoa is projected by many to be a first-round pick, including us. He went to the Cleveland Browns of 52. I'm sure you like the, the a certain tight end from Penn State going to the Steelers at 55, right? Yeah, that was definitely my favorite Steeler pick. I mean, Pat Fryermuth, I mean, the, you know, the, the word, you know, Heath Miller... Light. I think I, I want to say the word light too. I mean, it's not Heath Miller. We didn't just take Heath Miller, but you know he's going to be a two-way block, you know, blocker, and um, you know help you in the receiving game. I I actually think I mean as the season goes on, I think he becomes the number one. I think the role you use Ebron is is uh, you know you kind of have him be your uh, you know help you help you in the red zone, you know help you on third down, you know use that use that two tight end set, um, you know help you in the receiving game. You know what I'm saying? Kind of load you. You know, maybe play two tight ends, one in the, you know, maybe have him go out on the slot or, you know, something like that. I think I think that's the way you use Ebron now. I would say Javante Williams was one of my favorite picks, and the Denver Broncos actually traded up for him because they believed that the Dolphins were targeting him. Williams becomes kind of my sneaky pick for Offensive Rookie of the Year, uh, the big back out of UNC. And then you mentioned a couple offensive linemen, but we had Liam Eikenberg go to the Miami Dolphins. And obviously, he might fill that role of a right tackle for them. Samuel Cosme, who you and I liked, he went to Washington. 
and Washington needed a left tackle, and they didn't take one in the first round, but get, they got a pretty athletic guy in round two. You know, there was one thing that I noticed, like there was a theme in round two, an interesting theme. Smaller receivers went a lot higher than I anticipated. And it's just, it goes to show you that the NFL has changed completely. Maybe like five years ago, we wouldn't have seen this, but Elijah Moore, he went 34 to the New York Jets, a, a slot receiver. And by small, I mean, we had Tutu Atwell that went to the Rams at 57, right? I mean, the guy's like 5'7", 155 pounds. Dwayne Eskridge went to the Seahawks at 56. So smaller receivers, guys that can... That line up in the slot that you can use, you know, they can get yards after the catch. They can stretch the field a little bit. Those slot receivers, Rondale Moore is another one that that went to the Cardinals at pick 49. So that was kind of an interesting observation that I saw during draft night. How about round three? I mean, you mentioned you liked Wyatt Davis. Did you like any other picks in round three? Round three, though, I mean, the, the, you know, there's some guys that I... I just didn't quite understand. I mean, the, the the offensive lineman the Steelers took the center. I mean, did you understand that pick? You know, for some reason, like I saw on ESPN that he's projected as a center. He played guard in college. So he gives you that versatility. He can play guard. He can play center. I mean, Kendrick Green is a guy that tested really well and he can move well. He has that versatility. He fits what they do. I mean, he fits their scheme. So, I mean, you mentioned that the Steelers needed to address the offensive line in the draft, and and they got a player. I didn't understand that pick at all. I mean, uh, you know, they got Dotson in round four last year, and that ended up being a great pick, and I think he's going to be in the starting lineup this year. But, I mean, does Kendrick Green, I mean, I mean, do you kind of let him battle it out in camp? Or, I mean, Kendrick Green at center or B.J. Finney? I think you let him battle it out in camp. And, uh, and last year... Kendrick Green played guard for Illinois. Once again, everybody's assuming that he's a center just because they, they assume he might take that job from Finney. But I think Finney has experience. And, uh, you know, if he's healthy and he's good to go, he's going to play there. I think Kendrick Green is going to be somebody that they move along slowly. I just don't think he's going to be a rookie starter, in my opinion. Maybe he's going to be that swing, you know, a backup at center, swing guard. I always keep my expectations pretty low for rookies. We'll see what happens. I, I look mostly for a long-term success. I mean, obviously, you expect first-round guys to be able to step in and, and start. But as far as round three is concerned, I mean, in round three, we had some quarterbacks that went off the board. Obviously, Kyle Trask went in the final pick of the second round to the Bucks, And then we saw Kellen Mond come off the board to the Minnesota Vikings, then Stanford's David Mills went to the Houston Texans, and that was kind of interesting because we don't know what happens with Deshaun Watson, but the first pick that the Houston Texans used was on a quarterback, and they only had five picks, by the way. Um, I like the Alan McNeil pick uh, in the third round by the Detroit Lions. Once again, the theme, uh, they addressed the offensive and defensive linemen. I mean, they've, they did a pretty good job of that. You mentioned Wyatt Davis already. I like the Patrick Jones pick to the Minnesota Vikings at the end of the third round. I thought that was a smart pick. Elijah Molden, uh, Tennessee Titans. So he's going to be that, that slot corner for them. Let's move on to day three, and let's talk about, you know, did you like anything that teams did early in, in round four? 
I really like the uh, Lions pick of Amon Ross St. Brown. I think that's like a the, that's like a sneaky good pick, you know? I mean, that's a guy who like, you know, kind of can be like a diamond in the rough. I don't think he's a diamond in the rough. I think if you look at the Lions wide receiver situation right now with Kenny Galladay gone, the Lions don't have any wide receivers out there. So I, I think Amon Ross St. Brown is going to be a favorite for Jared Goff fairly soon. I assume that. There's not that much competition on the roster uh, as I looked on the depth chart. So I think this is a perfect landing spot for him. And why not? Another USC connection. Jared Goff went to Cal. He threw to Robert Woods, who, who went to USC with the Rams. Amon Ross St. Brown is another USC receiver that kind of compares favorably to Robert Woods. I like Michael Carter at the beginning of this fourth round. Uh, the Jets needed to address the running back position, and they got... Zach Wilson, another weapon, a versatile back that, that catches the ball really well out of the backfield and, and can be an X factor, kind of a, a poor man's Travis Etienne in that regard. And the Jaguars took Travis Etienne at the end of the first round. The Jets took, you know, Michael Carter in the beginning of the fourth round. Any other picks you, you loved? I can't say, I mean, you can't hate picks on day three. Any other picks that you really loved uh during the the day three see i think there's one team that thinks like me and it's the uh carolina panthers and i really like the davion nixon pick in the fifth round i actually think he's a guy you you should have taken i mean you could have taken day one or day two it was curious that davion nixon dropped all the way to the fifth round there's something up there maybe some durability concerns maybe some off the field issues i mean just throwing it out there. I like Hufanga. Uh, Hufanga pick in the fifth round at the end of the, for the 49ers at the end of the fifth round. I, I thought that was really solid. I mean, I had Hufanga in the second round, for God's sake. And here he goes to the 49ers once again. So hyping up my, my 49ers picks a little bit with Trey Lance and uh, Hufanga out there. Um, any other like late picks, like sixth, seventh round that would just, that you were like, wow, that, that was that was great value. I mean, what about Quincy Roche in the sixth round to the Steelers? I mean, uh, the Steelers are usually known for drafting their edge rushers early, but, I mean, this might be a nice late-round find. Roche is just, he's a beast. He gets after the quarterback. Well, I mean, and why not? I mean, you could never have too, enough of these guys on the roster. I mean, you obviously you got T.J. Watt, you got Alec Highsmith, and now you let Quincy Roche just come along and, and be that that situational pass rusher maybe in the beginning, but I assume that he's going to outplay Ali Highsmith. That's my opinion. Based on what I've seen, based on what I know and how I, I saw Ali Highsmith coming out of college, he's still a project. I mean, he's still learning how to be a 3-4 outside linebacker. I think Alex Highsmith has earned that that starting job at this point. Um, you know, just to start. I mean, you know, and you got T.J. Watt. He hasn't earned anything, Ed. Nobody has earned anything. This is the NFL. I mean, rookies come in and they take your job. I mean, it's going to be a battle during training camp. You know, remember my words. It's going to be a battle during training camp, and we'll see. Alex Highsmith versus Quincy Roche. Well, I, I mean, Roche I've never heard. I've never heard of a six-round pick coming in and taking a third-round pick's job from the year before. There've been so many like good day three picks that come in and, and start as rookies. If you like the guy's tape, I mean, if he's good and he his specialty is getting after the quarterback, I mean, Alex Highsmith had like four sacks his last year at Charlotte. 
I mean, th this isn't like a guy that, that lit up, you know, Conference USA on fire. Now, Roche was a beast at Temple for three years, and then he came on and, and showed everyone that he could do it in the ACC as well at a big place like Miami. Kind of was lost in the shuffle a little bit because Phillips, Rousseau, but he didn't play. Roche is, is a beast. Mark my word for this. Alex Highsmith is, is an overrated player, in my opinion. Just going to be a, a situational pass rusher for the Steelers. But th there is a reason why the Steelers took Roche in the sixth round. They do know a little no, bit about No, the reason the Steelers rush. took him in the sixth round is they, they had no depth behind Alex Highsmith. They took him because they like him. And when the Steelers take pass rushers or wide receivers in the draft, you should take note. I know you're a big Alex Highsmith apologist. I mean, you're like defending him here. Like, you know, he's your he, boy He's a good something. football player. He's a good all-around football player. What did he do his rookie season? I mean, he did his job, That's which is exactly what you ask the guy opposite. What is his job? What is his job? To get after the quarterback? Did he have huge sack numbers? Well, he, he does it in coverage. He helps stop the run. And yeah, I mean, he, you know, he wasn't the sack master, you know, that TJ Watt was. But you know what? He helped. Jeez, I mean, he's got to like, he's got to take his game up a notch if he wants to beat out Quincy Roche in training camp. I mean, he stepped, in, he stepped in for Dupree, Dupree, and yeah, he wasn't the pass rusher that Dupree's been, but he, he, he held the job down last year. Let's look at his stats. I'm just pulling it up here. 48 total tackles for Alex Highsmith, two sacks, five tackles for loss. Modest numbers. I mean, he, but he only played he half play a season, Alex, so double it. I understand that. I understand that. But it's like Ed Hunt is already putting him in the Hall of Fame. No, right no, so no, no, just... no, 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 no. I'm not putting him in the Hall of Fame. I'm just saying he's a good football player. He's a good football player with a good future. And he's a good. he's got a good head on his shoulders. And I think he. I think he's going to be a pass rusher. I think he's I think he's earned that sort of job opposite of TJ Watt. I think on the right side, he's their guy. He's an average player who's still a project. And the Steelers look for guys that can get after. The I mean, realize this one. is going to be a second year. So there, I mean, you know, right. from first to second year, you know, he has that year to recover. You know, he doesn't. He's not doing all the rookie stuff. You know, he's not doing the combine and so forth. So he's going to have a year to rest too. Keep an eye on Roche during training camp. Ed and I will have this battle when uh, when Roche wins the job. We'll talk about it. Uh, um, six, any, no, no, it's not going to happen. Uh, who cares? I, I don't care about rounds. You know I don't give a damn about rounds. Drafted in the first round, second round, seventh round. It's it's a number to me. You go in there, you battle, you show what you're made of. You might as well, like Roche is going to go in there, he's going to battle somebody that's going to be in the first round. You don't give a damn when you're a day three pick. Go in there, you bust your butt, and you outplay guys that are higher. It happens in the NFL every year, every day. Every season, we've seen guys rise. First-round picks are out of the league in three years, and a sixth-round pick like Antonio Brown is having a Hall of Fame career. So, Ed, you should know. I, I just, I just have one question, just to, to just to end this argument. Quincy Roche was supposed to be like a second. We probably would have said he's a day two pick. Why, day two pick. Why right. was he not picked on day two? I have no idea. Why wasn't Amon Ross St. Brown picked out there? Why wasn't Mac Jones picked in the top three? Maybe he's got some injury concerns. Maybe he's, you know, he's got some character concerns. There's a possibility with that. We don't know all the details. The NFL teams obviously know about it. Guys drop in the draft all the time. Why did Davion Nixon drop to the fifth round, Ed? You had him in the top 10. In, in our mock draft, you had him going to the Dallas Cowboys at 10. Why? 
Those are the question marks that we always ask and we don't know the full story. But based on the film, Davion Nixon is a first round pick. Based on the film, Roche is a day two pick who did really well I, at the I mean, senior I like bowl. I like him, but he's not he's not like better. I've seen better pass rushers. Like this isn't like, I mean, I mean, if you're talking Jalen Phillips, yeah, then I mean that's that's a pass rusher. You're getting a sixth round guy, so you take Jalen Phillips with the injury history in the first round. Well, he didn't even get to the Steelers pick, so we don't know how they feel about it. You're getting a guy in the sixth round that is valued as a top 100 prospect and the reasons why he fell again guys fall all the time because of injury concerns some character concerns all i'm saying is the steelers got a steal in the sixth round and once again i'll say this for the 10th time during this podcast he'll outplay alex highsmith and he'll be starting for the steelers as a rookie um anybody else you liked in terms of uh day three or late round picks anybody else that that kind of stood out to you. There was your guy, Stone Foresight, that I saw going to the Seahawks uh, in the sixth round. Yeah, and I mean, he he is a Seahawks kind of guy. You know what I mean? But just with the length he's got, I'm sure the Seahawks were, you know, loving that. I mean, especially, you know, they love their they, they love their athletes. Well, I like the Jimmy Morrissey pick. You know, I've been hyping him up the, the past couple of shows. He went in the seventh round to the Raiders, by the way. So the Raiders got... A pretty good pick. We're focusing on Alex Leatherwood in the first round, but the Raiders kind of bounced back a little bit with Merrig in the second round, and Jimmy Morrissey was a nice find in the seventh round, and eventually maybe he becomes the starter. Let's look at the teams overall. Give me a couple of teams that you think did really well during the draft. Gosh, I have to say the Jets have you know kind of started themselves well. I mean, getting Zach Wilson. I mean, I think that kind of changes their their franchise. I mean, Elijah Vera Tucker. I've already talked about that. I mean, I like the Michael Carter pick. I mean, I think that could be a really. He's going to be a complimentary back, but I think he could really help that offense. Yeah, the Jets have a plan, and Sam Darnold is looking at this from the Carolina Panthers' perspective, and he's like, "Where was Joe Douglas when when I came on board?" At least Joe Douglas can construct the roster because the pieces are falling into place for Zach Wilson. I mean, they've addressed the offensive line last year and this year. They found a running back that could be a key cog in their offense. They got another wide receiver at the top of the second round in Elijah Moore. Obviously, the defense is going to be fine with Robert Sala as their head coach. Uh, he's bringing that fire, and that defense is going to play a lot better. So the the pieces are in place for Zach Wilson to succeed with the Jets. And somewhere in the back of the classroom, I mean, Sam Darnold is envious of uh, something that he just he didn't have. Any other teams that were like big winners from the draft weekend? I really like what the Dolphins did. Um I like I like the Jalen Waddle pick. I like the Jalen Phillips pick, and you know I like my guy Liam Eikenberg in the second round. Yeah, and they got Hunter Long, who you liked as well in the third round. Phillips, Waddle, Eikenberg, Long. I guess you might have a little bit of a problem with Javon Holland at the top top of the second round. Yeah, probably, but I mean you can't like every pick a team makes. But I this is the second year in a row that I've liked the Dolphins draft. Well, hey, the the future is bright there. The only thing is we hope that Tua is finally going to live up to that hype and, and stay healthy. I mean, a lot of it is going to depend on that because you could have the weapons, you could have a good defense, but 
unless you have a quarterback, you're not going to go too far. And so far, that that's the huge question mark. I'm going to go with the Lions. Once again, I've kind of praised them. Panay Sewell in the first round. Anwazarike in the second round. The defensive tackle from Washington. Aleem McNeil. So Detroit Lions had a plan. They wanted to address the, the trenches on both sides of the ball. And they did that. Um, Milifonwu, who you interviewed, went in the third round, the long corner. Amon Ross St. Brown, you know how I feel about him going at the top of the fourth round. That's a perfect landing spot for him. So I'm going to say the Lions. The Lions really exceeded expectations. And once again, a team that had a plan with the new GM and, and the new head coach. And I like the Patriots. Like, I bashed the Patriots for spending too much money on free agency. But when you get Mac Jones at 15, when you get Christian Barmore in the second round, and then you got the two Oklahoma guys, Ronnie Perkins, the pass rusher, Ramondre Stevenson, the bigger back with quick feet. Bill Belichick did better, in my opinion, in this draft than he's done uh, the past couple of years in, in New England as a whole. He's bouncing back a little bit. I like this. I mean, he, he found some pieces, and hopefully he found the quarterback of the future who can who can bring glimpses of of Tom Brady back. And I'm sure you're worried, Ed. Yeah, I'm shaking in my boots again. You know, I I thought this was the last we've heard from Bill, but it isn't. Again, you you thought this was over. We talked about it, probably the end of the dynasty. And what made it worse was Tom Brady going to the Bucs and winning the Super Bowl in his first year there. And now Bill is, is bouncing back, and he's got Cam Newton. He can bring Mac Jones along a little bit slowly. And... Another pocket quarterback that just fits that offensive system really well. How about losers? Everybody wants to find out who the losers are, so give them, let's give them that instant reaction. Gosh, I'm not impressed with the Bengals going with Jamar Chase and Jackson Carmen. Uh, I like Jackson Carmen, but not, not enough to be a second-round pick. Anybody else that just uh, that teams that really left you scratching your head? I'd have to say the Raiders. I mean, Alex Leatherwood. I mean, you know, how many first-round picks are you going to miss on? You know, there's the Bengals. There's there's the Chargers. I didn't really think they had a great draft other than Asante Samuel. Like I said, Mike Mayock is in a tough position here. Even if Alex Leatherwood is going to be a fine player, not really talking about a Pro Bowl player or a Hall of Fame type of player, if he's going to be a good starting player, still, it's just those picks always stay with you and uh seems like mike mayock just hasn't figured out how you trade down and uh that that's something that dave gettleman struggled with but in this draft the new york giants just wheeled and dealed quite a bit they they made a few trades out there since you mentioned the raiders i'm gonna say the indianapolis colts and i actually like what the colts usually do with chris yeah i'm kind of surprised it's just quitty pay at 21. I realized they needed an edge rusher, but that's a boomer bust pick. And the one thing that really surprised me is they didn't address the left tackle position at all. Forget about the first round, but they didn't even address it. You know, you still need the offensive line. You need to protect the Carson Wentz blind side. Unless you're going to switch Quentin Nelson from left guard to left tackle, and you're confident with that, maybe. Or maybe go in free agency with somebody, maybe Villanueva or something like that. But that was that really left me scratching my head. And they they didn't do enough as far as maybe addressing another wide receiver. Um, they got the Vanderbilt defensive end who suffered an injury during the training process. 
so yeah, I mean, they had good intentions to bring some defensive linemen to the roster, but it's just I disagree with what Chris Ballard did in the entire draft. Any other thoughts as far as, uh, you know, as we put the finishing touches on this 2021 NFL draft? It feels like every time we, we step away from this draft, it's, uh, you know, there's always surprises. There's always good picks. There's always, you know, it, it's always fun. You know, there's always a few guys we like that, you know, go high or get, you know, that we interview and that, you know, get drafted and go high. And, um, you know, this year we had, I had three day two picks. Um you know, Elijah Molden, Fetu Malafonwu, Rondell Moore. So, you know, being a day two pick, they're going to make the roster and, um, you know, they could have really good careers. It's always interesting to find out who those day three picks are going to be, guys that will exceed those expectations in the draft. And guys always fall or get pushed up for, for different reasons. And this NFL draft is no different. I mean, as you look at it, Again, I mentioned already, five quarterbacks went in the top 15. Uh, we saw J.C. Horn go number eight, uh, the first corner off the board. We saw a couple of wide receivers go in the t- We saw three wide receivers go in the top 10, Chase and Waddle and Devontae Smith. And then obviously Kadarius Toney went later on. Rashad Bateman was vindicated a little bit as far as being a first-round pick. So offensive linemen, wide receivers, quarterbacks, that that was the theme of the first round. And uh, which team do you think, like, came out of this draft and you could, like, say this team might be pushing for that playoff spot, a team that wasn't in the playoffs last year? If the Broncos can acquire Aaron Rodgers and, you know, they've added, they've got a really good secondary, they've got a very good defense, got a left tackle and Garrett Bowles. Um, you know, they got they've got they've got some pieces. You know, what what about what about the Broncos? I mean, if it, I I don't know, if they get Aaron Rodgers, I think they're a playoff worthy team. Are you buying that they're going to get Aaron Rodgers just in general? I mean, I get the feeling that this is almost like an ultimatum. That Aaron Rodgers would feel content with just walking away from the game. We've seen teams play hardball before, and they, even if Aaron Rodgers said, okay, this is it, I can't do this anymore, and it seems like they've probably been going back and forth a little bit behind closed doors, and only recently has this story come out, but I just get the feeling that he might be one of those superstars that walks away before he's ready to, to walk away because he can't play anymore. I, I don't know. I, I I get the feeling that, you know, the... I mean, it's it's going to be in the Packers' best interest to 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 convince Aaron Rodgers to stick around, and I I, I honestly think they're going to try to heal the relationship between them. I mean, there's they can really try to mend the relationship. I feel like sometimes, you know, and we see this a lot in football is like these franchise quarterbacks once they hit their kind of you know 30s and stuff like that, they start to have some bargaining power, you know, with their front office and. Um, you know, the, the, it starts to be a power struggle. And, you know, we've seen, you know, that winning kind of cures all and, you know, that these teams want to win and, you know, they're they're, they're kind of willing to push things aside, you know, that there might be some drama and some anger and that they seem to this, they seem to be able to resolve these things. I mean, you know, we, we, we've seen it in Pittsburgh, you know, with Ben Roethlisberger. We've seen, you know, tensions between them and him. And, you know, it was only like... Three or four months ago, that we were thinking that 
Russell Wilson was going to get traded, and then you know they seemed to work it out with him. Um, so you know if you if you if you're a franchise quarterback, uh, teams are going to want to work it out with you. And uh, I, I I I I do think that he's going to stay with the Packers um, for another year. I disagree with that completely. I think there's just a point of no return. Aaron Rodgers feels disrespected. And the only thing that might keep him around in Green Bay is just maybe the, the thought for one more year to give it a shot. Because this team was close. This team was close. They were, they were in the NFC Championship game. And that's the only thought that he would have in his mind. Like, we could give it one more go. But I think Aaron Rodgers is, in my opinion, done in Green Bay. I wouldn't be surprised if he pulls a power struggle and just walks away completely. We've seen Barry Sanders do it. We saw Calvin Johnson retire. We've seen stars walk away before. He doesn't need money. He's already a rich man. He already has his future planned out. It seems like he might be the next Jeopardy host full-time. And he's got a new girlfriend. He, he would want to travel the world with her. I just think that's a possibility. It is just walk away and that's it. I don't think this is a situation that's got... That's going to get reconciled out there. If you're Denver, I mean, what would you give up, Ed? I mean, knowing that you're going to get Aaron Rodgers for two, three years maximum. I mean, what are you like? Are you giving up Bradley Chubb? Are you giving up Jerry Judy? Are you giving up Patrick Sertain, who you took in this NFL draft? I mean, what are you doing? I mean, are you just giving up all your future first-round picks for the next couple of years? Let, Let me paraphrase this a little bit. Are you willing to mortgage the future and the team that you have built recently, the, the last couple of years, and the only thing that it seems like you don't have is the quarterback, are you willing to mortgage that for to, to give it a go, to go for that championship like they did a few years back with Peyton Manning, but they didn't have to give up a lot uh, at all. But here you're going to have to give up a lot in order to chase that championship. What do you do? Are you willing to, to give up the future? Well, I, I think I'd give up a first-round pick in 2022, and then I think I'd give up you know one defensive piece, and I think even if they give up one defensive piece, they're still going to be a team with a good defense. You know that, that would be a good trade for the Broncos. The Packers don't have a lot of negotiating power because if they want to unload you know Aaron Rodgers, you know they, they kind of have to unload him. They're not going to be able to sit at the table and say, you know give us give us what we want or we'll hold on to him, you know. I think it's 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 really you know the 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 sort of domino is you know what happens in Green Bay with you know working it out with Aaron Rodgers. I don't know that deal just doesn't sound too good to me. If I'm the Green Bay Packers, I I put the phone down and I don't answer any more calls until you know that asking price goes down. I have to get at least two future first round picks. I want to get Patrick Sertain. I want to get Jerry Judy. That, that's the direction that I would go in in that regard. So give me basically three first-round picks because Sertain is a first-round pick this year, was a first-round pick first this year for the Denver Broncos. I mean, I, I try to get as much as possible for Aaron Rodgers, even if I'm, I don't have any bargaining power, but I call his bluff. I mean, Denver needs a quarterback. They're desperate. They know Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater aren't going to take them to the Super Bowl, but Aaron Rodgers can. So I'm I'm holding all the chips and I'm trying to get the best deal out of the green uh, out of the Denver Broncos, and unless they give me a good deal, I let Aaron Rodgers retire. 
That's it. If, if he wants to ride off into the sunset, that's it. I'm playing hardball here because I've got a championship caliber team in Green Bay, and I need something. I need some, some pieces. If I'm not going to have Aaron Rodgers and I'm going to have Jordan Love, that means I'm taking a step back at quarterback. I need some more defensive pieces. I need another wide receiver that can run good routes and can be that slot receiver for me. It, it's an interesting saga that I think is going to just linger on. In the back of my mind, I keep thinking that Aaron Rodgers is the type of guy that will walk away when he is just he's unsatisfied with this situation. Green Bay or Aaron Rodgers, this saga is going to linger on. I, I get the feeling that A-Rod is, is just going to retire, which is right now looks preposterous, but remember my words a couple of months from now. All right, thank you for listening to another episode of Blitzcast. Take care, everyone.